This is the Arc Energy Ideas Podcast with Peter Terzakian and Jackie Forrest, exploring trends that influence the energy business. Welcome to the Arc Energy Ideas Podcast. I'm Jackie Forrest. And I'm Peter Terzakian. Welcome back. Well, today we have a special topic. We're going to talk about Peter's mega project called mega. Energy Files. And it's mega because you've been working on it for a long time. Seven years, yeah. Seven years. And we're releasing it. Yeah, this is the week. The website is live. The book went live. People can order it. And we'll put a link to uh, how you can order the book as well as the website. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it's on Thank the bottom you. of the show notes. So while well, I had seen pieces of your project over the last, well, not seven years, but we've together, worked together five years and mm-hmm. I've seen pieces of it, I'd not seen the entire thing. And for many of the stories, I'd never seen like the whole story, right? I'd seen pieces of it. So I was really excited to sit down and read your book cover to cover last weekend. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because, you know, there were no numbers and no charts, but I also learned a lot. There's some big lessons in here and implications for how you think about things that are happening today that are really relevant, but it's so different than most business books. So I always like to learn stuff because I guess that's why I'm in the job I'm in. Mm -hmm. So I don't really like to read novels or things like that. So I got the advantage of reading stories that were like novels in a way, but also having these business learnings. So I really enjoyed it. And I recommend our listeners to, uh, to get themselves a copy. Yeah, the book is called The Investor Visit. And the book is only one small part of it. And in fact, it's not really just a book. It's actually a compilation of 10 short stories. Yeah, and that's part of, you know, I thought I would read it slowly, mm-hmm. by the way. And I think you think people would just put it down. And, and yeah. that's how people read today. Like, when's the last time I read a book cover to cover? Now, I would do it if my boss asked me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I read this one. But no, generally, I just wanted to keep reading them because they were so short yeah. anyway. Well, so. that was part of the, the thing seven years ago was I was going to write a third book I'd written too. For those of our listeners who remember A Thousand Barrels a Second, that book is almost 15 years old. The End of Energy Obesity is 10 years old. And once you write a couple books, it's sort of in your blood. You want to write another one. But uh, starting around seven years ago, I started thinking about the trends that were happening in the world of publishing and the world of just society in general with the advent of social media. You know, one of the things is people's attention spans, I think we can all agree, have shortened. And that the appetite to read an entire book from cover to cover had even seven, eight years ago diminished substantially. And, you know, some of the feedbacks that I got on my first two books were, Peter, I love your stories. I love the way you weave them in and out with current trends. And so I started thinking about a different publication model, a different way of communicating ideas and lessons in the world of business and energy. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I landed upon, well, let's think about a completely different way of communicating with a reader. Well, and they're timeless stories, which is nice. A lot of business books, yeah. you know, the day they're published, the charts are already out of date, right? And yeah. So the, these are timeless stories with lessons that uh, you could pick up 10 years from now and still be valuable. And I really uh, applaud you for the different formats that you've taken because it is a world where we have short attention spans and people have gotten used to picking up information in a million different ways. So you have audio files of each of the stories. And I do love the audio format now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're on a podcast together, oh, yeah. but I listen to podcasts all the the time, like in the car, at the gym, your audiobooks take it to a different level. You know, most audiobooks are just someone reading, yeah. but these audio stories have emotion in them. They have different character voices. They right. have like radio sound plays. effects. Yep. Yeah. And, and just like you're a part of the story. It really, and it increases your ability to learn and recall it. That's the key thing, right? Like you read something and you forget it immediately, but the audiobooks really help you just 
remember people, what you heard. People remember stories. And, you know, when I started doing market research on these changing, shifting trends in the way we digest information, in a world where we're getting a tsunami of information, things are changing very quickly. The number of channels of getting the information is also expanding. You know, the, the rise of podcasts, videos, the ability to order books online, on ebooks. I mean, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention all the other, the, the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world. So the idea was to write short stories that are no more than 10 to 15 minutes if you want to read them. If you want to read them online, you can at the website, which we'll tell you about at the end of the show. You can also, if you're a paper person, you can order the books, uh, either individually, the stories, or collectively in the compilation of 10 stories, which is under the banner of one of the stories, which is called The Investor Visit. But not surprisingly, in the, the market research we realized, of course, people like to listen now in podcast terms. So we said, okay, we're going to record each of the stories professionally here at Ear Candy Studios, actually. Yeah, where we uh, tape the podcast. Where we tape yeah. the podcast. And uh, we brought in professional voice actors. And uh, so the ability to digest these stories, each of which has a lesson about energy and the business of energy transitions, comes alive. It really does. And then you have the website, which has artifacts. You, re- you know, a lot of these stories are based on things that you've found in your travels right. and looking at, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't travel with you too much, Peter, <laughs> but visiting all these antique shops and finding these really cool right. things. And then inspired you to do some research and tell the story. And so your website actually has artifacts and more information on a lot of these topics. So you definitely perked my curiosity on a number of these topics. I think the one that really got me thinking was that... Uh, no one tips a scandoscope. Yeah, nobody tips a scandoscope, which is uh, one of the 10 stories. It's a rather grim story, uh, but I felt it was a subject that needed to be tackled. It centers around child chimney sweeps in the 19th century. And uh, you know, this was uh, the, the rather uh, disturbing era of human history where we used to send little children up chimneys to clean them out. And I did not know that happened. Yeah. That was all news to me. Yeah. Shocking to me to think that that practice went on for hundreds sure. of years. And you you talked about the fact that there was legislation to ban the practice, and but that didn't stop people no. from doing it. No. And so, you know, the, 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 the headline lesson of that is the ethics of energy. You know, we use chimneys to vent the gases from combustion. And ethically, we, or unethically, we sent little children up to clean out the soot, right? So... The immediate conclusion and lesson is, well, uh, you know, be mindful of the ethics of energy and where you get your energy from, even today as we juxtapose it Mm -hmm. today. But there was a broader lesson in that that uh, I highlight in the story, and that is, as you mentioned, Jackie, even though there was legislation as early as the early 1800s in in the United Kingdom, that it still took uh, 75 to 100 years before the practice was put out. Why? Even when there was technology in the early 1800s, basically a long broom mm-hmm. that's called a scandoscope that you used to put up the chimney, which, by the way, is still used today. But in the face of new technology, the technology was not adopted, and they continued to send young kids up the chimney flues. Why was that? Because the cost was zero. Uh, I'm not going to give you the spoiler alert. Uh, you can read the story for yourselves. But there are a lot of lessons that we can then juxtaposed to today. And 
help our understanding of why we are reluctant to adopt new technologies that can help us tackle things like reduction of emissions, reduction of water use, uh, all sorts of things, right, Mm -hmm. in our energy systems. Right, because if the alternative is more expensive, even in the face of the ethical stuff, people tend to to go to the the thing that's the least cost. So here is a spoiler alert. It's not all about cost. It's not all about money, too. There's all sorts of other issues, including self-interest and the microeconomics of how it all works. So anyway, I'll, I'll stop. You got to read the story. You got to read yeah. the story. But I, I think that the point with these 10 stories, which are all distinctly different, they each one tackles a different aspect of an energy transition, whether it's innovation, policy, environment, technology, innovation, so on. So yeah, that's, uh, it's the 10 stories. And they are wrapped up in one, but that's not all. There's yeah, let's, let's talk about the great aha, mm-hmm. because this one I think is quite uh, important for the discussion we're having right now around electric vehicles. You basically go back in time, and it's actually kind of a fun story to read. A hardworking entrepreneur that runs a local stagecoach company mm-hmm. basically is very skeptical of the new horseless carriages, but over the course of your story learns that the benefits are so compelling that he becomes a champion for moving to the new autos. Yeah, the Model T Ford. True story. And the story is taken from a Ford publication from 1914. And in it is a story of a southern Ontario fellow who is, uh, as you said, driving a stagecoach, transporting people back and forth between two villages and sees a Model T go racing by, very skeptical, but eventually comes around and says, boy, uh, I'm going to buy one of those. Uh, yeah, I think because, you had a quote. Horses have been moving humans since the time of the Romans. Nothing's yeah, going to change. Nothing's right? going to change. That was yeah. uh, Ed Tucker, <laughs> the protagonist, quote. Uh, but he does change in the end. And so we explore the human psychology of making choices between the existing and entrenched way of doing things, which was a stagecoach, and the adoption of uh, of the motor car. Well, and the benefits were huge for his operation. It would take him three and a half hours to do a one-way trip, right. and the car reduced that to about one hour, and he found that his overall costs were not that different. Yeah, the operating no. costs were less, too, because yep. having a stable of horses was expensive. Yeah. And so it was a compelling switch. But again, I'm not going to spoil the ending and the middle in terms of the important lessons that we can learn yeah, from this yeah. as we think about today uh, with the potential adoption of, say, electric vehicles yeah, and, and other electric cars have totally, mm-hmm. the sales have, have struggled this year, yep. except for the Tesla, the second half of 19, 2019 showed that new sales were lower than the previous right. year. Now, Tesla's still doing well, driven by the Model 3 sales, mm-hmm. but other electric cars are really struggling. And they're right. starting to be, if you notice in the headlines, more headlines around, well, electric cars aren't really going to be taking off like we thought they were. The, the, right. the whole narrative has really changed, I'd say, in the last few months in terms right. of the excitement around electric right. vehicles. Right. So, as you said, there's no charts and graphs in any of my stories because we want the lessons to endure. But I will tell you that in trying to understand why people are not buying electric vehicles at the moment, the story of Ed Tucker and his stagecoach will give you some insight into that. And that is the philosophy that I that I practice, is that I like to look at a historical story that's uh, fun, intriguing, sometimes disturbing, juxtapose it to today and say, okay, what are the parallels? What can we learn? Uh, and then talk about tomorrow and talk about how we can understand this phenomena and maybe change things to facilitate the adoption of new technology or change the way we do things or implement the right policies and so and, on. Yeah, and it's so important because when you're in today – 
it's very easy to be in your paradigm and you think the world works this way and not really see all the information. And by the way, I think that's just human nature, right? right. Like we have a lot of sure. unconscious bias. We talked about that on the uh, the diversity podcast, right? Where yeah. we have biases where we don't actually process all the information coming in at us right. because we put a filter on it. And I think when you put it in the context of these historical stories, people don't have that bias. Right. And they can actually be more open to the lessons at a different time, in a different situation, and then be more open to thinking yeah. about how that applies to today. It's like looking in a mirror at your current situation, except the mirror is history and a historical story, a historical story that endures and is based upon, as you said earlier, an object. In the case of the great aha, the object was an old magazine from 1914 and the story that I found within it. In the case of Alfred Dickey's utility bill, which is another one of the stories, it's an old utility bill from 100 years ago, and the choices that Alfred Dickey, a, uh, a resident of Halifax, Nova Scotia, made. And you sometimes really travel to, to I research did. this. I you had a picture of, of his uh, tombstone, I even. I do, yeah. <laughs> to, I, you know, I really get into a lot of the objects, I collect them myself, mm -hmm. and that's the museum part of it. And some of those cool objects you can see on the website. One story isn't about an object. One of the stories is about a place, a place that's actually very familiar to people here in Western yeah. Canada, especially Calgarians, which is the story uh, called Stairway to Hell, which is about the mine that used to exist just outside of Banff. Yeah, the Bankhead coal mine. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing how many people who live in Calgary, some even born and raised, have never even heard of Bankhead, yet it's five minutes north of Banff, right by Lake Minnewanka, is a ghost town that used to house 1,500 people. And if you go there, you can hike around the old ghost town and see the old buildings and the old mining facilities and equipment and so mm -hmm. on. And uh, so I was intrigued by that. I was starting around 10 years ago, and I went and took photographs and started researching and uh, looked into the lives of some of the individuals that worked at that mine. And uh, eventually wrote a story and tried to understand, well, why is it that this coal mine here in the Rocky Mountains went bankrupt in 1920-ish and that was shut down at a time when actually the demand for coal worldwide was still rising and continues to rise. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's actually one of your longer stories, but mm -hmm. so many lessons in it. And it's funny, when I first read the story, it's later on when you talk about the fact that there's nothing wrong with the coal industry from 1922, which is about the time of the closure, to now coal demand has grown by five times. Mm -hmm. I was kind of struck by that because as a Western Canadian, you see all these old coal towns, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be uh, around Fernie, wait, in the Crow's Nest Pass, you see all these different towns. And, and it kind of struck me like, yeah, right. I just thought coal, you no know, one could make money making coal. But no, it's just Western Canada. We had these coal mines well, shut down. A hundred years ago, coal was the biggest industry in Alberta. That that's that's not well known. And then we switched to oil and gas when coal became uncompetitive, and uh, for for you know, actually similar reasons that I juxtapose uh, onto, for example, what we're witnessing here in part in the oil and gas industry. It was uh, you know difficult market access. It was uh, quality of assets issues and so on. Now, not every coal mine went under by any stretch, but the Bankhead one did. Mm -hmm. And there's distinct business lessons that can be learned from that. And so what I do is in the creative nonfiction style with all these stories, I write the story and draw the lessons out. Again, we want to juxtapose those lessons into the present to talk about what we can do to improve the future. Now, an interesting component 
is that the stories can also be used in a book club setting. Yep. And you can have a discussion guide that you purchase separately. And uh, I've, I had a look at some of them, and I found them really interesting because they get you thinking more critically about the story right. and about little nuances that you maybe didn't think about when you just heard it. Yeah, let's talk about the intent of all of this. So reading the story or listening to the story in a short period of time in the creative nonfiction style is very appealing. So once you finish the story, you go, wow, that's a good story, Peter. Thank you very much. But then you may pause and say, okay, well, what does it mean? Right? And that's where the discussion guy comes in because my vision was that people would take these stories, as I said, and use them as a foundation to talk about the current situation, juxtapose mm -hmm. it to today, to discuss the future. And so the discussion guides in each individual story are a series of questions and answers that you can use, whether it's at the kitchen table, the dining room table, the boardroom table, uh, whatever setting you want over a glass of Your wine. Your dinner party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, in a disarming way, you read the story and then you start getting into the nitty gritty about uh, uh, trying to understand where we're at today. So it's actually a means to facilitate a dialogue and a discussion, which you and I have discussed on this podcast is so needed. Uh, when it comes to the very contentious energy issues that we're faced with. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, you read the story, it's entertaining, but when you read the questions in the study guide, you're like, oh, yeah, it makes you think more about it. And then the best part is there's an answer area, and I'm one to peek at the back. You know that about <laughs> me, right? Uh, I must confess. But there's a lot of really good research that's been done in that answer part yeah. um, to bring in even more angles and dimensions to the story and other information yeah. that's relevant. So I found them really, really good to read and to make the stories. From the context, you know, if you're just doing it for entertainment, read the book. But if you're looking at it, it's almost like a Harvard Business Review to try to get a business learning. Yeah. They're just a huge, great yeah. resource for people. Yeah, thanks. I mean, the Q&A, uh, the Q is there for you to discuss. You can peek at, uh, and we do call it A as in answers, but really, and, and that's me writing the answers. But they're more really ways to think about the question. Because I also found in my market research that people don't want to be told what to think. They really want to be told how to think about, about an issue. So it's, it's really a bit of a catalyst for how to discuss that question, right? What are the things to think about? Especially if you get a little bit stuck going forward. But this is really a tool to get people talking and hopefully to come to consensus on some very contentious issues. Yeah, and a lot of issues in these stories that are really relevant uh, mm -hmm. in the business community today, especially as we think about transitioning to lower carbon energy. Mm -hmm. So what can our listeners expect going forward? Well, we have put together the platform, which is the website, which you can go to at www.energyfile. That's energy, P-H-I-L-E, file being an aficionado of energy. So energyfile.org, O-R-G. So energyfile.org has all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, this is one of the reasons why it's taken seven years to develop this website. Uh, <laughs> and many more years uh, yeah. of collecting things. <laughs> many more things. And the collection can be found yeah. in a tab called... It's the, like an online museum. It's a museum. Yeah. And that we call the file space, P-H-I-L-E space. The file space is a museum because that's where all what we call the vignettes are, the little objects off of which the stories are based. You can use that as a tool to explore, to understand in a very short period of time uh, a whole bunch of things about objects. That will then escalate you hopefully into the various stories and the stories escalate you into the collection. And if you want the Q&A, you, uh, you can address those as well. What can you expect in the future? Well, this now serves as a platform. We will be adding more and more stories as time goes on. 
we will be adding more and more discussion guides, vignettes on a regular basis, in other words, more additions to the museum. And it really serves as a foundation for more material that people can go to to understand about energy, learn about energy, especially in this critical period we're in where we have to think about the transition. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. I'm you know, relieved that uh, it's finally been launched, excited about the future, and hope that our listeners will venture to energyfile.org to learn more. Well, you already jumped to my last question because my okay. question is, well, you finally accomplished this, Peter. What's the next thing? <laughs> People are never happy with what you accomplished, but you're telling me the idea of the short stories, you can yeah. continue to add it's them It's a continuum. You know, yeah. It's a continuum as, as opposed to you know, one big opus at a time every few years. We plan to have sort of a continuum of stories that people can enjoy. It's a little, I mean, the metaphor that I use or the analog is uh, sort of like Netflix. You know, we've uh, one episode at a time, 10 episodes make a season. That's a compilation of stories called The Investor Visit. We'll have more stories. We've already got more coming. So it's it's an ongoing project. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I always expect you to be innovative, but you've come up with a totally new way. I've never seen it before of delivering business information in a digestible, entertaining, flexible way. That's how people think today, right? You can take a little bit or you can take spend a, a bit more time. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations to getting to this milestone. I encourage everyone to learn more about the project and we'll look forward to how it evolves over in the future. Thanks. Good. Well, thank you, our listeners, for joining our podcast. We will put links to all those sites that Peter mentioned, the Energy File site, as well as the site to order the books online. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on the app that you listen to and tell someone else about us. Thank you. For more ideas and insights, visit arcenergyinstitute.com. <laughs>